0: Hello and welcome to the Bold Believer Podcast, a podcast focusing on apologetics and faith-based questions and answers, diving deep into the historical evidence for the Christian faith, truths founded in Scripture, and how it plays out in the world we live in today. And now, here is your host, Josh Snyder. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Bold Believer Podcast. As always, I am your host, Josh Schneider, and I am here today to start off a series that I am excited to to dig into. It's one of my favorite topics, uh, at least categories of which to speak on or to, to study about, and I'm excited to divide some things with you today in the apologetics lineup. If you don't know what apologetics is, well, that is a perfect place to start. We're going to get into a little bit of details on what exactly I mean by the term apologetics, and what so many have uh, used this uh, way of thinking and dividing the word and uh, defending our faith. Before we get into that, I would like to start off with saying a couple of things, and on top of that, we've got a joke to get to here in just a moment, so before we get to the meat of the issue, let me first and foremost say thank you all for listening, thank you for tuning in wherever you tune in at. If you haven't done so already, please consider following the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review that... That extremely helps us as we are trying to grow in this space and get recognized by the algorithm. It's kind of a complicated thing to explain if you don't know much about algorithms, but essentially the more traction and feedback and things that we can get organically from you, uh, the listener, that tells the machines that people like what they hear and they will push it to the top a little bit more and more people will be likely to hear it so anyway if you want to be a part of that please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts share this with a friend share it on your socials things like that if if you want to be of help to what we're doing here at Bold Believer Uh, On top of that, we have a YouTube channel that just launched a small leg that will continue to grow called Bold Believer TV. Bold Believer TV is essentially, at this point, very simple. It is little productions that we will put together. Sometimes they might be skits. Sometimes they'll be messages like you hear on on here, uh, sermon layouts of sorts, uh, motivational speeches, things like that. They'll all be on Bold Believers' YouTube channel, at Bold Believers. So check that out if you haven't done so already and subscribe to that. Before we start today's episode and get into the the meat of the issue, let's get to the most important part of this whole thing and why you're here. Let's get to the Bold Joke joke of the Day. day. Today's Bold Joke of the Day comes from the exponentially bad dad jokes book. I received this book for Christmas and you've been hearing from it. And uh, so, yeah. Here's where here, here we go. Uh, one day, my mom walks into the room and asks my dad, "Hey, how do I look, honey?" And she and he looks at her and replies, "With your eyes." <laughs> okay. All right, we are done here. Come back next week for another bold joke of the day. So bold, you'll have your eyes rolling back into your head and wanting to tell your children. So. Let's uh, let's jump into today's topic. First and foremost, let's explain, as this will be a, a series that we'll be going through. Something that may not continue consecutively, but whenever you see the tag "faith defense" uh, hooked to the episode that we release, that will always be something in the apologetic arena. Something that we go through and give details. Uh, whether it be uh, around the resurrection, evidence of Jesus' existence altogether, and things like that. Before I get too deep and give away too much before I get to that point, let's get into some of the simpler questions up front of what apologetics are, what are they used for, and what is the purpose of them altogether? What is this term? Why do we have it? What is its significance? And uh, so first and foremost, what is apologetics? A lot of the stuff that I'll be using for this series will be founded out of uh, not only scripture, of course, and some personal experience and thoughts on, on these matters that we'll be discussing, but a lot of it will be pulled from evidence that demands a verdict by Josh and Sean McDowell. This is the revised version that they came up and updated in 2017. This is a book that's been around for four decades approximately and it stood the test of time the revisions that were made came back to they came back to add some extra things that blew people away even more than the first one did or the previous version of it did and so in 2017 josh mcdowell and sean mcdowell revised this book i've I've had the privilege of of conversing a bit with sean mcdowell Uh, dr sean mcdowell is a professor at biola university and uh, he's come to Montana a couple of times back when I back when I lived there, and we've had the uh, opportunity to sit down and chat a little bit about some of this stuff. And so I'm excited. I love this book. I love the people who wrote it. I love their heart and their passion for truth. And 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 if you don't know Josh McDowell, uh, Sean McDowell's father, if you don't know Josh McDowell's story please get online and just Google Josh McDowell's story and you will be amazed to find a man who is totally skeptical against God and the things of God, and not even that, a cynic, a cynic against God and and the idea of God coming against faith and matters of faith and wholeheartedly researching and coming out a Christian on the other end. That's another story, maybe another time we might discuss some of that in coming episodes as we will be using his book to kind of give us a textbook outline for apologetics in the discussion of different topics because it's just done so well in evidence that demands a verdict. So what is apologetics? Uh, Apologetics at first glance, you might think of the word apologize. Well, it actually has nothing to do with apologizing. The word apologetics does not mean anything like saying you're sorry. Instead, it refers to the defense of what you believe to be true. The defense of what you believe to be true. That is what the root word of this word apologetics means. The root word of it, or its original word, was the word apologia. I believe it was Greek. And uh, it just simply meant to give an answer or to defend what you believed to be true. So that's, that's what apologetics is. But what makes it important to us? What makes it important to us? Well, we as Christians, we as children of God, if we are called to be bold believers, not to use the term or overuse the term, if we're called to be bold believers, we are called at times to be ready to give an answer of the faith which lies in us, as Scripture commands. We are told to be ready to give an answer. And we cannot give an answer if we aren't, at least in some way, studied or astute to what we believe. Because here's the thing, what makes Christianity different from all other religions out there? If you sat there and just said, well, I have faith that it's true and my parents told me that it was true and I grew up in a home where it seemed to be true and I saw some amazing things happen, I've seen some miracles and things like that, and here's that's why I believe, you would probably be uh, in the same category as many other believers in the United States and abroad. But that is not the answer that God, I, be, I believe that God has called us to give. Those are not the answers. No cop-out answers when sincerely trying to defend what we believe. And I'm not saying defend in like a negative light. Many times when you think of defense, you think of somebody getting into a defense mode and you know throwing up your fists and wanting to to fight about something. I'm not about fighting about what I believe for, because if somebody truly wants to believe what they want to believe and fight me over what i believe i'm i'll leave them to god after plugging a few things real quick but but we need to at least each desire and strive to have an understanding of what we believe and why and and so i hope the next few episodes in the the series of which we will be focusing on the defense of faith or faith defense as it'll be called will be helpful, might even be enlightening, will be encouraging to you and your faith so that you can go out and share your faith more boldly and accurately. All through scripture, the word apologia appears many times and most of the time, I should say, it was written down by Paul. If you know anything about Paul, he was a huge proponent of the defense of your faith. He was very astute. He was very knowledgeable because he was Uh, A Pharisee uh, prior to coming to Christ, prior to him being shook on the road to Emmaus and his eyes being blinded but then truly being opened— He was a Pharisee, and he knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. He probably had much of it, if not most of it, memorized. And so this man was not to be played around with. And when Christ got a hold of him, he took that same fire and zeal for knowledge into the Christian faith and came out on the other end stronger and wiser because of it. We see all through the book of Acts the term uh, apologia appearing, at least in the original Greek In verses like Acts 22-1 Where Paul states Brothers and fathers, hear the defense That I now make before you uh, Acts twenty five sixteen, Paul Paul states I answered them that it was not the custom Of Romans to give up anyone Before they accused The accused met the accusers face to face And had opportunity to make his defense The word defense, again the original Greek Word being apologia concerning the charges led against him. 1 Corinthians nine three. just in passing here. We don't have time to go through all these. 1 Corinthians nine three. if you want to write these down. 2 Corinthians 7.11, Philippians 1.7, Philippians 1.16, 1 Peter. Here's one where Peter used the term apologia. 1 Peter 3.15 all of these verses use the word apologia in it, which, it, again, simply means to defend or have the defense or give an answer of your faith or what you believe is true. Some might ask, was Jesus an apologist? Was Jesus an a proponent for defending your faith? Though the New Testament does not mention Jesus using the word apologia, we nevertheless hold that he was indeed an apologist. Philosopher Douglas Gruthus has carefully studied the question of whether Jesus was a philosopher or an apologist. After giving many examples of how Jesus rationally defended the crucial claims of Christianity, Gruthus concludes, "...contrary to the views of critics, Jesus Christ was a brilliant thinker who used a logical argument to refute his critics and establish the truth of his views. When Jesus praised the faith of children, he was encouraging humility as a virtue." not irrational religious trust or a blind leap of faith in the dark. And before we continue on, let me stab this in passing. Some people will look to the passage where Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and have the faith like a little child. It's except ye have faith like a little child, you can no and no likewise enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that some people look at that verse and say, See, You're supposed to just believe. I don't need to study what I need to believe. I don't need to figure out exactly why I believe it. I just need to believe. Just like a child believes in Santa Claus, I need to believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And that is dead wrong. Jesus Christ was coming at the angle when speaking of the little children, of their humility and their desire and their yearning to believe. That does not mean he was throwing out rational uh, evidence. It doesn't mean he was throwing out reason and thinking with all of our heart, our mind, and our strength as we see him challenging us to love God with all of our heart, mind, and strength. We can't love God with all of our mind if we aren't thinking. So Jesus was not a proponent against defending your faith, or at least understanding and knowing why you believed what you believe. Douglas Gruthis goes on to say that Jesus' use of persuasive arguments demonstrates that he was both a philosopher and an apologist who rationally defended his worldview in discussions with some of the best thinkers of his day. We see this uh, very clearly when Jesus was 12 years old. His family goes to Jerusalem and they leave Jerusalem and they realize that Jesus is not with them or their family members and so they go back to Jerusalem in seeking for him. Three days later, they realize that he was in the temple all along. And what was he doing? He was sitting, asking questions, and even giving answers to some of the most learned men of that day. Because this was the temple in Jerusalem, mind you. The top-notch philosophers, theologians, and priests of that day were stationed in Jerusalem, the capital city of the Jews, even under Roman occupation. And Jesus was sitting there, not only inciting thoughtful conversation, but even boggling the people and the doctors who were questioning and t- talking with him because of how much he brought to the table. This intellectual approach that Jesus had does not detect from his divine authority, but enhances it. Jesus's high estimation of rationality and his own application of arguments indicates that Christianity is not an anti-intellectual faith, as many might assert. Followers of Jesus today, therefore, should emulate his intellectual zeal using the same kind of arguments that he himself used. Jesus' argumentative strategies have applications to four contemporary debates. Number one, the relationship between God and morality. Number two, the reliability of the New Testament. Number three, the resurrection of Jesus. And number four, ethical relativism. All four of these areas will be areas that we will discuss in further episodes to come in regards to the series that we're running on the faith defense here on the Bold Believer Podcast. So I believe Jesus was an apologist and was a very huge proponent, though he may not have used the word that we use today. Uh, It is a word that describes well what we are trying to do and what we I believe we're called to do when we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, soul, Mind and strength. All right, so I'm going to list uh, five reasons that uh, Josh and Sean McDowell believe, and what I what I stand and affirm believing, why apologetics is important today. Five reasons why apologetics is important today. So, reason number one. Reason number one is we are all apologists anyway. We are all apologists anyway. Apologetics is not listed as a spiritual gift for teachers, preachers, or evangelists as though only some ought to become apologists. Rather, all Christians, each and every person who hold the name of Christ to be Lord, are called to be ready to give an answer, as uh, 1 Peter 3.15 and Jude chapter 3 uh, state. We all make a case for Christianity in some fashion or another, but are we doing it well? Are you doing it well? Beyond the specific Christian calling to have a ready defense for the faith, there is a sense in which everyone is already an apologist, an apologist for something. Uh, The question is not whether we are apologists, but what kind of apologists we are. Christian author and social critic O.S. Guinness addresses this idea when he stated, From the shortest texts and tweets to the humblest website, to the angriest blog, to the most visited social networks, The daily communications of the wired world attest that everyone is now in the business of relentless self-promotion, presenting themselves, explaining themselves, defending themselves, selling themselves, or sharing their inner thoughts and emotions as never before in human history. That is why it can be said that we are in this grand secular age of apologetics. The whole world has taken up apologetics without ever knowing the idea as Christians understand it. We are all now apologists, if only on behalf of the Daily Me, or the tweeted update, that we post for our virtual friends and our cyber community. The great goals of life we are told are to gain the widest possible public attention and to reach as many people in the world with our products and always our leading product is us so reason number one we are all apologists every single one of us are a proponent an advertiser somebody who defends or holds up some sort of idea or worldview and as a christian we should be at the forefront of this fight so to speak. The second reason here, reason number two, apologetics strengthens believers. Apologetics strengthens believers. Many Christians claim to believe in Jesus, but only a minority can articulate good reasons for why their beliefs are true. Yet when Christians learn good evidence for the truth of the Bible and for the existence of God or how to respond to tough challenges to the faith, they gain confidence in their beliefs. For instance, Sean McDowell says that he led a, a high school group of students on an apologetics mission trip each year to Salt Lake City, Los Angeles, or, or Berkeley. To prepare for this trip, students attended weekly meetings and lengthy training sessions and read apologetics books. Then they went to meet and have conversations with and listen to lectures from some of the best thinkers from other faiths. The vast majority of these students came back with a renewed confidence that their beliefs were not only true, but also defendable. Here's one of the things that get people kind of scared to go down the pathway of apologetics, at least in some regard. Let me explain. Some people, when they start looking into their faith, they feel they may possibly find out that their faith is wrong, and so therefore they do not look at all, and they blindly move on in hopes that maybe someday that... It'll work out. But isn't that the scariest thing that we are trying to pull many people from their belief system uh, away from the clutches of Satan, his, his plans for their lives, and, and, and hell? Shouldn't we be leading the forefront in defense of truth if we truly believe it to be true? And if not, maybe we need to check out what we believe. No matter where you're at on this spectrum of what you believe, maybe you're not a Christian and you're listening to this this in, in hopes to learn a little bit about what some of these nutty Christians believe, I want to challenge you to know what you believe and why, wherever you're at in this spectrum, and at least to some large scale. Again, if we studied every single religion inside and out, every detail from start to finish, we would be dead by the time we finished a single major world religion. Let alone every single one out there. But we can each strive and learn and have a basic understanding. And we're going to get into some basic understandings of most major world religions in episodes to come as we learn and we grow and we desire to defend and fortify the faith that God has placed in us. So, reason number two apologetics strengthens believers. Get to know what you believe and why. It will strengthen you. The third reason, reason number three, apologetics helps students hang on to their faith. Apologetics helps students hang on to their faith. Sean McDowell and Josh McDowell put this reason down because we live in such a society today that my generation and the generation coming up behind me are the ones that are getting pulled from the church and pulled from faith so much quicker than the generations prior to them. Why is that? Partly because we as the church and we as Christians have dropped the ball so hard over the last handful of years getting comfortable in our, in our faith, not studying to show ourselves approved, not explaining why we believe what we believe. And I believe a key thing that will help students or young men and women hold on to their faith, especially in the bombardment of high school and college especially, is to be able to articulate and explain properly why we believe and what we believe. If they cannot do that, they are going to crumble when they hit that college lecture hall with that atheist professor who thinks he's got everything in the bag when it comes to worldview and and belief systems. And we, as Christians, we know that what we believe is true, but if we can't articulate it, what makes us any more different than every single other religion who claims to be true in the world today? Reason number three, apologetics helps students hang on to their faith. The fourth reason out of the five that we'll be giving in this episode. Reason number four, apologetics helps with evangelism. Apologetics helps with evangelism. In an article about big issues facing the church, Pastor Timothy Keller says that the contemporary church needs a renewal of apologetics when he stated, Christians in the West will finally be facing what missionaries around the world have faced for years now. How to communicate the gospel to Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, and the adherents of the various folk religions. All young church leaders should take courses in and read the texts of other major world religions, he states. They should also study the gospel presentations written by missionaries engaging those religions or debating those religions. Loving community will be extremely important, as it always is, to reach out to neighbors of other faiths. But if they are going to come into the church, they will have many questions that the church leaders today will need to be able to address or answer. People naturally have questions. You and I, you listener, myself, everybody in this world will have questions. And the biggest questions on anybody's mind, where did I come from? Where am I going? Is there meaning to this? Those are probably the three top questions. Where did I come from? What was the beginning of all this? Where am I going? What is the end of all this? What is the meaning of this? And if we profess to hold the truth, We need to be able to articulate it. People naturally have questions. They always have and always will. One of the key functions of apologetics, then, is to respond to questions and clear away objections people have that hinder their trust in Christ. Apologist, author, and speaker Ravi Zacharias emphasizes the important impact of an alert response to someone's question. Even in a small way, when he stated, do not underestimate the role you may play in clearing the obstacles in someone's spiritual journey. A seed sown here, a light shown there, may be all that is needed to move someone one step further. In the following episodes for this podcast, we're going to take you deep. And uh, hopefully I'll have my co-host back on here, Mr. Isaac Danford. He's actually out for a funeral this week, so please be in prayer for him if you're listening to this uh, and pray that he gets back safely. But uh, we're going to try to take a deep dive, and our goal is to gain knowledge, not for knowledge's sake, not to gain this knowledge and to give you some knowledge that Josh and Sean McDowell have compiled uh, over over the years, not to do that for knowledge's sake alone, but for your preparation to con- confidently answer questions people may ask you about Christianity. If you want to share your faith effectively, you need to be ready to answer Professor James Bibley explains the relationship between evangelism, or reaching the lost with the gospel, evangelism and apologetics, when he stated, evangelism and apologetics are closely related. Both have a common general goal, encouraging commitment to Jesus Christ. In fact, in certain theological circles, apologetics has been labeled pre-evangelism. On this understanding, apologetics clears the ground for evangelism. The explanation of Rational thought and thinking of why we believe and what we believe clears the way for us to be able to stand up and say, I proclaim unto you that if Jesus Christ truly did raise from the dead, as we see this evidence points to, that would imply that he is more than a man and that truly he is who he stated he was, and that being the Son of God. Clearing the way for evangelism. That is just one of many points that we will look into in the coming episodes. It makes evangelism more effective by preeminently addressing the thoughts and maybe the negations of those who hear the gospel. This is certainly true, but I submit that apologetics is also useful in the midst of the uh, presentation of the gospel itself and after the presentation of the gospel. In other words, there is no moment in which a Christian takes off their evangelist hat and puts on their apologetics hat. Uh, The relationship is more seamless than that. The difference between the two is one of focus. Evangelism is focused on presenting the gospel and apologetics is focused on defending and commending it. There is, moreover, an important defense in the audience of evangelism and apologetics. Evangelism is done only with non-Christians. But apologetics should be done with Christians and non-Christians alike. Each of us, each of us should strive to learn and grow in what we believe and why every single day. Reason number four, apologetics helps with evangelism or reaching the lost. Finally, and fifth, reason number five, apologetics helps shape the culture. Apologetics helps shape the culture. Apologetics and evangelism never happen in a vacuum. In our experience, the apologetics questions come from both Christians and non-Christians alike because they both live in the same culture, and the same world of influences feed into the way that they think. Why are contradictions of culture so important? They are important simply because the gospel is never heard in isolation. It is always heard against the background of a culture in which one lives. A person raised in a culture where Christianity is seen as intellectually viable, will display an openness to the gospel much easier than the person who is placed or grown up in a culture where Christianity is the dumbest thing on planet Earth. Understand that. We need to remember that. Not everyone grew up in the same house that we may have grown up in. You may have had a completely different experience to coming to faith or are In your pursuit of the truth Because of the culture in which you have grown up in For the secular person You may as well tell them to believe in fairies or leprechauns As in Jesus Christ Or to give a more realistic illustration It is like uh, us as Christians being approached on the street By uh, somebody who is spreading Harry Krishna's movement Who invites us to believe in Krishna as Lord and God Such an invitation strikes us as bizarre Freakish even amusing. But to a person on the streets of Delhi, such an invitation would, I assume, appear quite reasonable and be a serious cause for reflection. I fear that evangelicals appear almost as weird to persons on the streets of Bonn, Stockholm, or Paris as the delegates of Krishna would in America. False ideas are the greatest obstacles to the reception of the gospel. False ideas, false ways of thinking false worldviews are our greatest obstacles for the reception of the gospel. We may preach with all fervor and succeed only in winning a stranger or a straggler here and there if we permit the whole collective thought of a nation to be controlled by ideas which prevent Christianity from being regarded as anything more than a harmless delusion. Christianity, if true, is So much more than a harmless delusion. It is so much more than what ties us down to this world, what tethers us to our principles and our morals. Christianity, if in fact true, means eternity. It means our life and our death. And if we can't explain at least some of the basics, how are we supposed to reach a lost world? So, reason number five, apologetics help shape culture. Apologetics help shape culture. When defending faith, the defense and truly coming to a place where you can articulate your faith, you will be able to break down cultural barriers much easier than, well, standing up and just claiming to be the way. Jesus did claim to be the way, but then he went on to do some very unique things That backed up that truth claim, and we're going to get into some of that in episodes to follow, including the resurrection of Christ, some of the statements that he made, his life in general, some of the negations that we hear some commonly out in the world today to Christianity and we're going to address some of those in the uh, episodes to follow. And uh, again, it may not be consecutive, so we may switch it up here and there, but you will always know an apologetic based episode when you see the tag Faith Defense. Faith Defense. It'll be in the title somewhere. But anyway, I appreciate you once again for joining me. What do you think of today's episode? Are you excited for the episodes to come? What kind of topics in regards to the spectrum of defense of faith would you like us to cover? I'm going to leave a little questionnaire at the bottom here. I don't know if it's only available on Spotify or on Anchor, but wherever you get your podcasts, if you see a little questionnaire, click on that, answer the question that we pop up each week, and let us know what you think and uh, subscribe. Follow wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with a friend if you find some encouragement with it, and uh, come back next week. I'm excited to, to get back in here and dive into the next lesson along the apologetics route. Love y'all. Hope you have an amazing week. Go out, share your faith, and be a bold believer. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Be sure to give us a rating and follow us for more Christ-centered content as we learn and grow together wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go out and be a bold believer.